From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. The Juneau Police Department says a motor vehicle collision that occurred early Saturday morning at the McNugget intersection resulted in the death of a 59-year-old pedestrian. Juneau Police and Capital City Fire and Rescue responded to the scene. They confirmed the pedestrian, a 59-year-old female Juneau resident, was deceased. The next of kin has been notified. That was the sound of more than 5,000 attendees as former President Donald Trump spoke at a rally in Anchorage on Saturday to endorse Sarah Palin for the U.S. House and Kelly Shabaka for the Senate. The rally was held at the University of Alaska Anchorage. Trump called current Senator Lisa Murkowski lousy. And I'm thrilled to be here with the very proud, hardworking patriots of the great and very beautiful. I'm flying over that. It is very beautiful state of Alaska. I've heard for years there's no place more beautiful, and I agree. I just uh, saw some things that you don't see in normal places, I'll tell you. And this is not a normal place when you have a lousy senator like Burkowski. Trump also said he expects Governor Mike Dunleavy to be re-elected. Four months from now, the people of this state are going to re-elect your terrific governor, Mike Dunleavy. We like Mike. A good man. Trump said he rates Murkowski as one of the worst senators in the nation, and then he endorsed both Shabaka and Palin. I rate her number one bad, and we have a couple of real bad ones, but she's by far the worst. We'll go over that. You want to go over that? We'll go over that in a little while. But you're going to elect a wonderful woman, a conservative warrior, Kelly Shabaka. I think they like you, Kelly. They like you. And you're going to send the great, legendary... Sarah Palin, to the U.S. House of Representatives. Former President Donald Trump. Juno Senator Jesse Keel is urging Alaskans to vote no on the upcoming ballot question put to voters every 10 years. Shall a constitutional convention be held? Yeah, I, I think a constitutional convention is, is tremendously dangerous for our state as a whole, but it is extra double bad news for Southeast Alaska. A constitutional convention is a gathering where delegates propose amendments and changes to the state constitution. The constitutional convention process requires three public votes. The first vote is a vote on whether to call for a constitutional convention. If the majority of voters approve of the constitutional convention question, then a second vote will appear on the ballot of the next regular statewide election to elect convention delegates. The third vote is to approve any amendments to the Constitution. Senator Keel said that issues on the forefront include abortion, enshrining the permanent fund dividend, resource management. Everything is on the table and there for horse trading. And this is not a brand new Constitution, um, you know, in, in the 1950s uh, after a long period of study. There are folks with direct agendas, political agendas. Keel also noted that the location of the Capitol is an item that can be put in the Constitution. The votes won't come from coastal Alaska at a new convention. Delegates will be chosen based mostly on, on where people live, and 70-some percent of the state's population 
is in that rail belt, right? Kenai, Anchorage, Matsu, Fairbanks. And there is no reason they wouldn't say in the Constitution that the capital shall be at Willow or Wasilla or some other place that does nothing to improve a representative form of government, right? Keel said the items should be taken up one at a time. We've got things that, that could use a little adjustment in our Constitution, and when we get broad statewide agreement on those, history's very clear. We do get those constitutional amendments in front of the voters, very carefully vetted, one at a time. No horse trading. That's critical when you're talking about something as crucial as the Constitution itself. Juno Senator Jesse Keel. The Murr Inlet in the Glacier Bay National Park and Preserve has been closed to vessel traffic during the raising and removal of a 66-foot private vessel this last weekend. The MV Cats and Dogs sank last week after it began taking on water at about noon Friday, July 1st. All four passengers were rescued by a nearby vessel. No injuries were reported, and the Coast Guard successfully evacuated the boaters. Operations are expected to continue into this week. The National Park Service says they will continue to monitor conditions in the area of the incident for signs of fuel or oil leaking from the sunken vessel before and during the salvage operation. Husband and wife Ed Schoenfield and Betsy Loggenbaugh put on the Death in Douglas True Crime Walking Tours as well as a Juno Crime Tour located downtown. They are both volunteers for the Juno Douglas City Museum, and the tours are fundraisers for the museum. Schoenfeld and Loggenbach were also crime reporters for most of their lives. The crime tours began in 2018 after Loggenbach and Schoenfeld applied for and were awarded a Juno History Grant. Loggenbach shared the research that went into finding information for the tours. So when Ed and I first started looking at this as a topic, and I think it was because it was something we were interested in, having both been reporters and courts and crime. We, um, or as they called it, cops and courts. <laughs> we we started um, creating this spreadsheet of murders that we identified through a variety of means. I felt it was a pretty comprehensive list of between 1900 and 1960. We found about 80 murders during that period of time in Juno and Douglas. And we used, we used that spreadsheet, which took probably about most of a winter, like five months or so to create. We then used that spreadsheet to identify stories that we thought would be worth conducting more information and research into. And that became the basis of our walking tours and our presentations and finally the book. Loggenbach spoke to why it's titled Forgotten Murders. I would like to talk about the fact that these are called forgotten murders for a reason. And the reason is, is because in talking to folks about our walking tours and in talking to them on the walking tours, I always ask people if they're familiar with stories that they want to hear more about particular stories. And honestly, these were all forgotten stories. Once in a blue moon, we get somebody who knows something about the serial killer who we talk about downtown. But the majority of these stories are about people who have been completely lost. The Douglas tour covers two miles, while the downtown tour covers three-quarters of a mile, but they cover about the same amount of stories. 
The next regular Juno Assembly meeting is set for tonight at City Hall. Mayor Beth Weldon spoke on the morning show with Dano about what will be on the agenda. First up is the consent agenda. We're going to do uh, put on there the temporary 1% area-wide sales tax. Um, and again, this is just for introduction. And our topics are deferred maintenance of CBJ and JSD. Um, replacement public safety equipment, redevelopment of Gaston Avenue, Telephone Hill, and North State Office Building Parking Garage, affordable housing initiatives, including further development of Peterson Hill, harbor expansion and maintenance, child care support, Lemon Creek Multimodal Path, relocation of City Museum, uh, contribution to the restricted budget reserve, and information technology upgrades. Weldon says an ordinance for paying for a new city hall will also be on the agenda. We're also uh, introducing an ordinance um, for issuance of general obligation bonds in the principal amount not to exceed $35 million for a new city hall. The mayor says she will ask for discussion on the removal of sales tax on food. The one I'm pulling out of the consent agenda to talk about is an ordinance appropriating $40,000 to conduct a statistical valid survey of Geno voters related to removing sales tax on food. We've been talking about removing sales tax on food for quite some time, and uh, that's what we came up with. We'll do a survey to see where people stand on that. And other ordinances will be introduced tonight. An ordinance appropriating... Uh, roughly um, $330,000 to the manager to uh, grant for an, uh, the wear shelter uh, retaining wall, um, an ordinance uh, authorizing manager to lease office space at the General Police Department headquarters to the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, and an ordinance authorizing an alternative procurement method related to the city and boroughs manhall wastewater treatment plant infrastructure upgrade. The meeting kicks off at 6 p.m. at City Hall or via Zoom. A draft ordinance requiring renters to register their short-term rentals in Juneau was taken up during the Assembly's Finance Committee meeting Wednesday last week. As described in the ordinance, a short-term rental would be defined as a dwelling unit or portion of a dwelling unit offered for overnight occupancy in exchange for a fee, and that is available for rent for fewer than 30 consecutive days. A license to operate a short-term rental would be required, and an annual registration fee of $150 would also be imposed. In presenting the ordinance, Assemblymember Wade Bryson urged that action on the matter should be delayed until after Iron Man in August. After the initial round of Iron Man, that the amount of short-term rentals could be significantly less. Um, and then do we have a temporary problem while we have Iron Man, coming into town, or do we have a long-term problem? I think waiting till after Iron Man will give us a better understanding of what the community is really going to be like. Do people like this? Is it going to be a true problem that just continues to grow? Or do people really be like, oh, my God, that wasn't as great as I thought? Assemblymember Michelle Hale asked, what are they waiting for? I will say that while, uh, while yes, it's okay to wait until after Iron Man, what are we waiting for? Because we as an assembly or as a finance committee have not had good information about who is, you know, what numbers of facilities or places are being changed. But what we have had is lots and lots of anecdotal information. The committee decided to have the city's legal fine-tune the document. Finance Chair Carol Treem said the full ordinance will be going to either the Finance Committee again or the Committee of the Whole at a later date. 
The Southeast Conference's 2022 Southeast Alaska Business Climate Survey, made in partnership with Rainco's data, shows that businesses across the Southeast region hold a more positive outlook on the economy as compared to data from the previous year. Each year, Southeast Conference conducts a regional business climate survey in order to track Southeast Alaska business confidence. The survey was administered in April and May of this year, and a total of 440 regional business leaders in 27 communities responded. According to the survey results, 62% of respondents said they currently have a positive view of the Southeast Alaska business climate highest positivity rating since the 2017 survey, in an increase from a year ago when 80% of business leaders called the business climate poor or very poor. As for the outlook, with 34% of businesses expecting their prospects to be better and 16% saying it will be much better over the next year. Executive Director of the Southeast Conference, Robert Venables on Action Line. Well, they, they think the outlook looks much brighter. Um, you know, it's... Uh, they see the the upswing. It seems like this pandemic has become manageable, even though it is certainly still with us. But um, you know, the outlook has has given them cause for optimism, and even more important, cause for investment. So that's the thing that's uh, that's really encouraging is that they're looking to invest in their businesses and to you know hire more workers if they can find them. Twenty-nine percent of businesses said they are hiring and expect to add employees over the next twelve months. Venables said that finding employees is currently one of the most significant issues. We see, you know, shrinking services, shrinking, um, you know, availability of things to do, shorter hours to accomplish that. Um, and many of our businesses, not just tourism, but across the board, we see, you know, a lot of times shorter hours for um, for the stores being open, and it's a big issue because they can't find staff. Several quotes from tourism businesses, food and beverage, construction, healthcare, and mining sectors highlighted the struggle to find employees and skilled workers. Housing is a problem repeatedly mentioned by business leaders across the region. The survey results show that housing was the number one economic problem facing economic growth in Southeast. 67% say there are not enough homes on the market to attract and retain workers. And 60% say there are not enough rentals to meet the housing needs of their workforce. It, it is one of those conundrums because we need such a heavy lift of staff during the summertime in all of our communities that um, the issue is where you put them. Um, we even had an intern this summer um, come to us and it was like, had a hard time finding a place. He finally found a room at a place that had like four other rooms, uh, you know, being rented out. And so that's the level of uh, non-availability is that and a doctor over here and a professional over there. I mean, everybody's scrambling for, for housing and it's just not available. 69% of respondents say that home ownership prices are too high for their staff and 63% say rental prices are too high. Affordability is actually secondary to actually to finding it because you know these folks have secured a job, so in theory they can pay for uh, you know the rent. Although those are going higher and higher, but it's purely the availability for what we need for staffing. Respondents said their organizations could expand if there was increased housing availability for their workforce, followed by transportation infrastructure improvements and increased childcare availability. On Saturday afternoon, the Southeast Alaska Master Gardeners Association held their annual 15th Garden Show event. Ann Libergesell, 
created a garden in the front yard of her log cabin and talked about the process. Well, when I moved here 26 years ago, there was grass in this area between the house and the trees, and the tree branches were all the way down to the ground, and I gradually cut the tree branches higher and higher and made paths, the stone-bordered paths, and so I just expanded the beds over the years, mainly the last 12 or 13 years and added different plants, kept some of the native species that are kind of interspersed with domesticated plants. She has nine flower beds that weave in and out of her stone pathway. She has over a hundred different species of plants in her garden and she says it takes a lot of upkeep. She also talked about the event holders, the Southeast Alaska Master Gardeners. I'm not a member of the the Southeast Alaska Master Gardeners Association. I am a Juno Garden Club member, and so I've known about this garden tour. I try to go on the garden tour every summer. And I just ran into Christy Hooten, who is organizing the whole garden tour this year. Um, I ran into her at Don Abel, and she asked me if I wanted to have my garden on the tour. And I said, sure. (laughs) Yeah, and so there are different gardens that are selected each year. So this year there are eight gardens. And why she thinks gardening is important. It just brings me a lot of joy. I spend a lot of time in the garden. Hopefully people who are thinking about gardening will get into it because it's really a therapeutic process and it's creative and it's, you know, your mind can go in the direction that it wants to go. It's just kind of a something that lifestyles tend to kind of lack with hustle and bustle of work. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.